Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, and joining me uh, from the box he just crawled out of, uh, Miles Fuchs. Miles <laughs> currently has a Carhartt Toucan with a towel wrapped around him as if he is um, uh, hiding from the aliens, maybe? I'm, I'm not entirely sure, um, but our, our pal Miles is not feeling good today. Miles, say, hello, say he- hello to the audience. Hello, everybody. I guess I should clean off the camera portion of my laptop because this is actually a uh, one of those fuzzy blankets from Costco. No free ads. Yeah. Um, so not a towel. Yeah. I'm, I'm not Oopsie. like I, I live I live modestly but not that modest that I you need to wrap you, my... you didn't just finish like uh fucking nine rounds with Rocky <laughs> no no we have we have uh an abundance of blankets in this home um which is good because little, little Miles has had the immune system of a uh of a small small Toddler. child yeah <laughs> yeah just sick constantly so little under the weather but um i'm ready to have a, have a really uh depressed episode cool yeah um it, i don't know if you can tell but i'm wearing a blue sweater um it's not the cool crew neck i found at at, at, at winners the other day miles because you remember remember i sent that to you and i was like should i cop this and then mm. i did oh i was gonna wear it and then, uh, what was it? Monday night? Yeah, Monday night happened, and yeah. I, 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 I don't want to wear that that sweater for a little while. Um, no, all all Oilers branded merchandise is out of my current clothing rotation. Um, hats, toques, jerseys, shirts, socks. It's a, uh, I have a onesie. I have an Oilers onesie. I was actually thinking about putting that on because it's warm AF and I'm I got the chills. They're multiplying, uh, but I didn't because all Oilers branded merch is is off the table until Good. further notice. Um, I'm current after we had mentioned the word Oilers. I'm currently looking in the corner or in like underneath one of my shelves, and she has, looks like she's hiding for dear life, <laughs> just from hearing the term Oilers thrown around, which um, is valid. Um, and is something that we would all be wise to do, in my humble opinion. Um, I need to apologize, Nolan. For what? Last episode, uh, when we were talking about the Heritage Classic and the Oilers beating the Flames, <laughs> I said that we were filing a claim with the WePack department. Um, the claim came <laughs> back rejected. Like, rubber stamped, rejected, pissed on. There's nothing, nothing there. We are not back. Ladies and gentlemen, the Oilers are not back. So not back. We cannot be further from the back. No. So if you like um, depressed one for one episodes, which I know a few of you sadistic PRICKs listening do enjoy, uh, this one's for you. Because we call those people pieces of shit. Actually, (laughs) Um, I I don't I don't know. I would um, pieces of shit is like okay. I have a I have a thing. I have a thing. Okay. Um. The best genuine compliment you can get, in my opinion, is when someone calls you a beauty, like just out of mm. out of the clear blue sky. If someone's That's like, oh, dude, guy in you. you're such a beauty. You're like, yeah. dude, thank you. And it feels so good. I think the one of the worst things you can be called is genuine. And someone's like, you're a piece of shit, you know? <laughs> Like, cause that's like, you're, that's your core, right? Like yeah. you can be an asshole. You can be a bitch. You can be a jerk, whatever. But if you're a piece of shit, you're like, <laughs> oh no. Like I used to be a piece of shit. <laughs> Slick back hair. 
lives for more New Year's Eve. Lives for New Year's white, all weather, white couch, Ciccolini, chicken Ciccolini. Oh, Miles, I I know we're we're gonna have to just get into this episode, but I just I was like, hey, I'm gonna prep a couple of statistics for when we get into talking about uh, the team that shall not be named, and it just made me very sad. <laughs> Of all the more to ask, boys. It's so bad. Anywho's Nolan, I'll uh, I'll get her going here. I'll let the okay. folks at home know what uh, what's coming on the schedule. We have three games to recap against the Dallas Stars, against the Nashville Predators, and against the Vancouver Canucks. You could also classify these as um, okay, eh, and uh, which we will uh, break down and chat about. Once we get through that, uh, there's some recent Oilers news some big Oilers news and ultimately the elephant in the room of why this team is so gosh darn bad uh, and we'll break down why that is what the next steps are and just have a uh, have a session where we support each other once we get through that we're going to talk about a few NHL things hopefully happier and and finish things off with a segment that has not been done for a little while a segment that is near and dear to the hearts of many people I hope and uh, send you on your way hopefully hopefully feeling good, hopefully feeling better than we do because my, oh my, what a ride it's been so far this year. Nolan, would you mind taking us back in time? Uh, I think that this is best suited for you because it is your favorite teams playing Uh, the game from November 2nd against the Dallas stars. Would you, could you please? Yeah. um, You know, we, we like to look to talk about, um, really good goalies on this show. We like to talk about guys that could be Team Canada, team, or you know, Olympic quality goaltenders. Um, and yeah, uh, there was one on the ice tonight, and it it, it wasn't. <laughs> we'll get to those guys. It wasn't an Oiler. Uh, it was actually Team Canada goaltending candidate Scott Wedgwood, who stood on his head for a, in a four three loss for the Oilers by the hands of the Dallas Stars on November 2nd. Um, big team win in the Heritage Classic, followed by, a, followed by a fun Halloween party. The boys, they got to be feeling good. Now Dallas comes to town after a couple days off. Vibes are good, right? Perfect momentum recipe. Everyone is feeling good heading into the tilt with the Central's first place stars. We're feeling alive. We're, we're ready to go. Scott Wedgwood's filling in for Jake Ottinger. It's a layup, guys. Like, we are this, we are so back. Uh, Oilers <laughs> counter with Stuart Skinner. Once again, you know what? Tough stretch, but we believe in Stu. He crushed it in the Heritage Classic. We think he can do this again. Sam Gagne also called up and signed to a pro contract. He's making his season debut. The vibes are pretty good fuck it Matthew Shane scores on like the Dallas fifth shot of the game to open the scoring one nothing stars oh yeah uh Evander Kane teammate of the year and all-around good guy would answer scoring his third of the year from Nuge one one heading into the first intermission 39 year old I'm not gonna call him Hopevelsky that's Britain by miles (laughs) he calls him Hopevelsky I call him Joe Joseph much like the biblical scriptures, uh, he scores early in the second, and as Miles calls him, or Miles calls him, Rope Hines scores late in the second on a Stars power play to give the Dallas Dirtbags okay, fine, a three-one lead going into the third. Oilers at this point out shooting the Stars twenty-four to eighteen, and we are sad. 
Rupe Hans comes out of the room and says, I got one more in me, scoring his second of the night to give the to give the Stars a 4-1 lead. Now, we mentioned this guy. Sam Gagne. A legend. He returns. He's back. Recently signed veteran. Longtime Oilers legend who was previously mentioned making his first appearance of the season. Sam Gagne slides one past the impenetrable Wedgwood to give the Oilers life with 10 minutes left in the third period. Oilers down 4-2. CeCe and Kulak get the assist here. Is it too little too late? Fun fact, Miles. After the Dallas Stars went up 4-1, I actually stopped watching this hockey game because I was too sad. And then I went to bed, checked my phone, and saw Sam Gagne scored with about 10-ish minutes left. And I went, oh, golly gee, I should probably tune in and watch the rest of this game. Because I was about to miss, climb on, kids! Sam Gagne cries as he carries the team on his back into this one, scoring his second of the ninth three minutes later on a shot that trickles past Rhett Wedgwood. Four, three stars. Oh my god. We are coming. The, oh, that was gross. <laughs> Here come the Oilers. <laughs> a flurry of Oilers shots would not be enough to get another one past the Stars' elite backup goaltender as the Oilers lose this one in a game where they outshot the Stars 49-27. to It cannot be understated just how dominant the Edmonton Oilers were to close up this game. Like, they were putting everything they had on Dallas's net, and it felt like at one point during that 6-on-5, Leon Dreisaitl had the game on his stick and he was in his spot and he was just ever so slightly off. When they showed, they, they actually showed the puck mark on the post and it it sent me, it sent me, uh, Oilers controlled activity in the dot, winning 60% of the draws. They out-hit Dallas 22-20, but went 0-4 in the man advantage. We will get to that. While allowing Dallas to score on one of the, on one of their two power play opportunities, a hard-fought game against a really good team. Despite not winning this one, you can at least be happy with a number of takeaways here. Um, maybe not uh, Stuart Skinner allowing four goals on 27 shots, but I digress. We, <laughs> we're going to do a lot of we'll get to that. It's <laughs> it's going to be a big one. Yeah. Anyways, Miles, thoughts on the Stars? Um, None. Sad, depressed. I was watching that game at a local watering hole, tuning in for Thursday night football, and they had one screen with the game on, and I'm watching, and I briefly look away, and it was right around that end of the second period mark, and it's 1-1, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we got a little good little hockey game going on here. And, um, yeah, then I look back at the screen. I'm like, holy shit, it's 4-1, getting pissed off, finish watching the football game. Have another have a have about a half of beer sitting in front of me. I'm like, oh, I'll finish this one out. And then Sam Gagne one, Sam Gagne two. Uh, just simply too little, too late. But again, like a lot of good compete from the boys. They outshot the stars, outplayed the stars, I think, for a good portion, at least the second half of that game. Um, or the last period anyway. So it looked like they had some fight in them. And you know, you are gonna lose occasionally to a team that's as good as Dallas is. Um, but at this point, I wasn't ready to sound the alarms. I was like, fuck it, it's fine. We got Nashville next. Leon's gonna little boy them, whatever, right? Not too not too worried about it. Yep, I agree. Yep. Well, um, after narrowly losing to the stacked sharks, the Preds come into town for a Smashville matinee, a five two loss versus Nashville November fourth. Uh, it's a matinee matchup. That is exactly what the doctor ordered. We got Jack Campbell and once again, playing a backup, Kevin Lincoln and getting the starts in this one. And away 
we go. Everybody's got money on Leon's over for the points, yada, yada, yada. Feeling good. This is definitely one the Oilers should be taking. And they get off on the right foot, man. Darnell Nurse gets the Oilers on the board early, getting a power play goal from Daddy Viking and Clowder. A rare PP2 goal, one nothing Oilers. This is exactly how we drew it up. Whoopsie-daisy. Cool mustache guy, Philip Forsberg, scores 25 seconds later to even things up at one. I hate Philip Forsberg's mustache, I hate, by the way. I hate his mustache, it's too. Such he looks a, so pretentious. It's such a... Um, um, who is the guy on Bar Rescue that used to do the... Oh. Like, by his head? Um, it, it seems like a mustache he would have. <laughs> Did you realize you just said that to seven-time Grammy-nominated <laughs> blues guitarist? <laughs> I fucking love Bar Rescue. It's but so yeah, good. Philip Forsberg. Did I tell you? Did I tell you that um that it was on Paramount Plus in Cleveland? Did I say that? Oh shit! Show? Yeah, you no, said I the Snapchat, but I didn't realize it was on Paramount Plus. Yeah, That's no, electric. It was it was on Paramount Plus in Cleveland when we were there, and I was like, after Taylor went to bed, I'm like, I'm one thousand percent putting on Bar Rescue. <laughs> did you watch a classic, or did you watch one you hadn't seen? Before? Oh, you know, I I watched the classics. I watched um. Two of them are uh, one of them I watched was the uh, was the the uh, bikini sports bar one. That's I was gonna say Angels, man, that yeah, one is yeah, all time, so good. Um, and then I also did uh, Headhunters, the one that was like full of roaches, and I was like, hey, I can give my expertise on this one. <laughs> did you do the one where they're in like a trailer? It's it's yes. out of like a trailer. Yeah, that's, that's the like the only out. one he's ever walked out. Yeah, yeah. And Fuck. I was I was uh, I, I was saying this to Taylor. I'm like the you know John Taffer is serious when he doesn't yell. When he talks and he says, I will not come back to this bar. You need some serious help. Like mm-hmm. when he goes when he goes normal talking voice, you know shit's bad. That's almost that's scarier than getting yeah. screamed at. I can get screamed at, I can get yelled at all day, but when someone who normally screams starts talking to you <laughs> like that, you're you know you're in shit. And you his tiny glasses. Yeah. <laughs> if you, you want to if you want a good if you want a good image people look up john taffer tiny glasses <laughs> uh the only thing that can make me smile is john taffer uh but nolan the second period also known as ryan o'reilly hours starts off exactly that way with ryan o'reilly scurring 22 seconds into the frame and that was quickly followed up by his second of the night, where Evander Kane took a high stick and Carl that gave the Preds a tic-tac-toe opportunity. That Ryan O'Reilly blasted home 3-0, 3-1 Predators in the blink of an eye. Preds would take their own penalty, setting up an Oilers man advantage where Bushbaum would deflect off of one person. And that person is the author of children's books. Zachary Martin Hyman gets credit for his fourth goal of the year from Bush and McDavid. Preds lead is cut 3-2-2. Now, Thomas Novak, not to be confused with Tom the Shopcat, gets his sixth question mark of the season to restore the Preds' two-goal lead. Six goals from Thomas Novak. That's actually pretty nasty. He's really good. He's good, man. He's got yeah. he's got a fucking nose for the net. We'll get to that, speaking of nose for the net. Third period, Oilers down two. If this season has been consistent with anything, it is that the Oilers cannot fight back from a deficit and that they love giving up hat-tricks. So, Ryan O'Reilly, here's a hat trick. Good for you, buddy. You just recently played your thousandth game, so the Oilers gifted you a hat trick. How nice of them. How cool. How fun. Preds win 5-3. The Oilers, once again, outshot the their opponent, this time 35-34. They got murdered in the face-off circle, 41-21. Went two for three on the power play. 
and three for four on the penalty kill. So special teams was really good, but they got caved in five on five. Um, Playing competitive against Dallas and then get your back blown out by the Preds. Nice. Furthermore, uh, outside of Thomas Novak's goal, which I think was like 23 feet from the net, the remaining four goals from the Predators were scored within six feet of the cage. You simply have to be better defensively than that. I mean, I just, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I have no, I had no words for this game. I was in the middle. I was actually in the backseat of a, of a truck uh, driving to a birthday party and I just watched it and I just, I, I honestly couldn't even pay attention, man. I was just too sad. I watched this at a bowling alley. I went bowling on th- on Saturday. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, and then I went shopping after, so I was at the mall and I checked my phone. I'm like, oh, I gotta see, gotta see how the Oilers are doing. I mean, I yeah. against the Preds, like, fuck, they're gonna come back. Yeah. So it was five two. I was like, this is fucking. There's no reason. There's simply no reason. Um, you mentioned, uh, or I don't know if you, I don't know if you mentioned, uh, but because I, I, when when we do these shows, I obviously am listening to you, but it's like sometimes words just fly past my. Head. I don't know if this happens to you at all, but it happens does that ever to happen me. to you? It, it, it does this ever happen to you? Um, but it's it actually happens quite often. Um, did you notice that Ryan O'Reilly actually scored his hat trick goal twice? Like it went. It went, then... it went, it went in, popped out and then came and then like, so it went in and then Nash, like eventually like the, the fucking horn went, went off, but then Ryan O'Reilly ended up scoring it. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome, man. Truly. Yeah. Truly depressing stuff. Yeah. No, I can't be, can't be tamed by Miley Cyrus. It's awesome. It's good stuff. Fuck it. Shall yeah, right we on. get into this one? Yeah, man. Do it. Go ahead. My arms in the air, by the way. Raise your hand if you felt personally attacked by Ken Holland. 6-2 loss to the Vancouver Canucks. All right, all right, all right. Let's halt this losing streak in a nice manageable two games and right the ship versus a divisional opponent, playing the Canucks for a third time this season. Only one more. Woohoo! And hey, it would be a perfect time to knock the PDO Kings off of their off of their high horse. Um, they've been getting away with this for far too long. It's time the Oilers show him a lesson. Um, and and the Oilers did for, for the first 10 minutes. Uh, they come out strong with a rare power play two goal. Viking daddy Matthias Eckholm gets his first of the year from Kane and Sam Gagne to make this one nothing Oilers. At this point in the game, the shots were like 17 to 4. It was oh, yeah, pure and off. utter domination. Mm-hmm. I have not seen a game this good from this team in a very long time. Like this, it was something like shot out of a cannon. But then the Canucks get goals from depressed Quinn, Pius Suter, and Brock the Cock to make it 3-1 before you can even say fire Ken Holland, which is crazy. Oilers out shooting the Canucks 20-8, but down 3-1 heading into the room. Um, well, you know what? We'll just talk about the goals at the end. Uh, second period gets underway with a grime job of a goal. Holloway chases a puck, kind of maybe sort of bumps into Thatcher Demko, and then the puck gets out to Lightning Leon, who makes no mistake and gets the Oilers back within one. Then Nils Hoglander scores on a really deflating series of events to put the Canucks back on top two. Really, really tough sequence for Evan Bouchard there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, third period gets off to a blazing start. The Oilers crash the net, and it looks like Fogel might have the Oilers within a little bit of life. But the goal gets overturned due to a kicking motion, and we remain down 4-2. I should mention, actually, uh, once the end of the second period hit, uh, I went to bed because I was mad. You are a smart guy. I started watching at the end of the second period. Oh, yucky. So I stayed up till just about midnight uh, my time to watch the Oilers blow that one. And it was all worth it. It was all worth it to, I see, should, I should to men- see the power play goal at the end of the game. I should mention to everybody, I am on the East. This does not start until 10 p.m. for me. Which I am very sick. tired. I am extremely exhausted. The fact that this guy stays up as late as he does to watch this miserable hockey team is commendable, um, but also crazy. Oh, okay. Like, no, I like I respect you, but like at the end, like at the end of the day, it's like, dude, go to bed. Like, like this one, good. I'm glad you went to bed. I'm glad you didn't stay up and watch it because fuck that. Do you know what's the most depressing experience in my life? Game four. <laughs> of the first round against Winnipeg when the Oilers were down 3 nothing in the series and the game went to triple overtime. Oh, yeah, baby. And Kyle Connor, ugly-ass Kyle Connor <laughs> scored to win the series for the Jets, a fucking sweep. That game did not end until, like, 3 o'clock my time. <laughs> and you and had, I to had to watch. And I had to work the next day. Oof. Yeah, that, uh, that was a Sunday night. Yeah, not yeah. fun. Uh, anyways, JT Miller scores a rare mid-play goal, a horn goal, uh, on a shot that went in and out before the Oilers could even say, Wah. then Brock the Cock, certified Oiler killer, gets his second of the game, I think seventh of, uh, this year versus the Oilers, and that's your final 6-2 Oilers. Brock Buster, by the way, I believe is second in goal scoring in the NHL, so... Yep. Congratulations to him having a nice bounce back season. Uh, sh- shots fi- Oh, yes. What were you saying? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Fuck saying. it. I don't uh, care anymore. Shots finished 42 to 36 for the Oilers, who won 55% of the draws, but allowed an abysmal three of six on the PK to the Canucks while going one for three on their own man advantage situations. Really, really depressing game for the Oilers. Uh, Darnell yawned in the penalty box in the third period. I actually didn't know that. That uh, yeah. makes me incredibly upset. Yeah, dude, it was awesome. He took like a bullshit penalty and he's sitting in the penalty box. And this is after Cassie Campbell Pascal jerked him off in the second period, figuratively, not literally. Uh, he's so much better when he plays uh, when he when we when he plays angry. When, when he's back on his heels, he's you know, that's more susceptible for him to give up big plings. And she's just going, I talked to his mom and dad at the Heritage Classic, and it's like, all right, Cassie, like that's fucking awesome. That's great. And then he takes just a meathead level penalty and he's sitting in the box. The Oilers are down five two. Like this game could not be done sooner. And it cuts to Darnell in the box as Cassie Campbell's talking about how sick he is. And he goes, yawn time to go to bed. Sleepy, sleepy Darnell. I was, I was thinking about that actually while I was driving today. Um, I was like driving off the road. No, 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 no. I was thinking about like what it would be like to be constantly on camera. So I was actually thinking of being like an NFL head coach and like what would happen if you yawned on the sideline? Because I was like, I was just driving home and I yawned and I'm like, imagine if you were an NFL head coach and you yawned on the sideline. Oh, yeah. Dude, How well, much like, shit you'd get in? They caught DeMar Hamlin uh, eating a booger the other night. On <laughs> That's a, like, so sick. That's like shout out hardcore. to the real ones. Yeah, shout out those who know, no. <laughs> um... Okay, um, we didn't talk about the big brawl or whatever the hell that was. I didn't really get to see because, like I said, I was asleep. I was off in sleepy land. 
just a bunch of frustrated guys uh, being being dumb and playing down to a level that they are better than. And I say that for both teams. Like, I get it. The Canucks have to fight back. They got to do their thing. But the fact that the Oilers are resorting to to goon tactics is is quite telling of the current situation of this team. So that's not who they are. That's not their identity. Yeah. They're not. They're not a goon team. And the fact that they're going to get so vi- I like that they're that visibly frustrated. I mean, it shows that they give a fuck. But um, that's not. Why are you in that situation in the first place? You guys, we're better than that. Yeah, I don't like. I I don't know what they're like. I I like that they are showing a little bit of pushback. Like I do. Like they're showing some um, emotion. It could be. I mean it's been talked about to death by a lot of people, but like the shit that happened in that Bruins Leafs game when uh, Timothy Lilligren got injured by Brad Marchand and oh, nobody yeah. did anything on Toronto. Like I'm happy we don't have a situation like that, but this is uh, no better because uh, we, they're currently two, eight and one. So uh, that's not ideal. That's um, a really good record. Yeah. <laughs> this is golf, right? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> but, you know, uh... I believe they're like a minus 16. That's a pretty good score. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So what the fuck? So I, I left this in here because I used the same notes template from last week and this was the first. So is this like uh, our is this like our open discussion time? This is our open discussion time. And the reason that I kept what the fuck in here is because it's awesome that it um gets used two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. So question what the fuck is wrong with this hockey team Uh uh-oh it's time for an ad read it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before black friday you can just shop raycon products right now and save up to 50 percent off because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. Now, this is a new product uh, that we're promoting on the show. Uh, I know that friend of the show, Floor Pie Alex, he's got a set of these Raycon uh, earbuds, and he says that they are fantastic. He loves them. He can't stop talking about them, raving about them. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds, known for delivering high quality and th- Thorough features like a 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. In this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Uh, Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. Raycon is known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. So hurry now to buyraycon.com THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. 
N. And it's time for another ad read. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. Um, you know, maybe if you're thinking of... Uh, putting a little money on the uh the upcoming Jaguars 49ers game. That one looks pretty that one looks pretty fun. The spread's uh the spread's pretty small, so maybe you're into either Nick Bosa and the Niners or you're into Trevor Lawrence and the young exciting Jaguars. Who knows? Who knows? There's so, so many options this weekend. Uh, get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. They're broken in every facet of the game. Goaltending, defense, offense. Connor's clearly still injured. Bottom six is horrendous. They've got 56-man games, and there's only two points in that traditional bottom six. Awesome. Um, Very cool. The team can barely ice a hockey team because they have no cap space in their roster. That's that's sick. They had to call mm-hmm. up James Hamlin on an emergency basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now that the big move has happened, they are able to actually afford to keep James Hamlin on the roster. So congratulations to James Hamlin. You are now being required to be our fourth line center. Miles, um, this is about as low. I think I've been on the Edmonton Oilers um, this entire series. Like series of the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean yeah. that's fair. We've had, uh, we've always had a light at the end of the tunnel uh, yeah. since we started this show in the past four seasons. But this is like, this is like, this is upsetting. Like, this, this is this is new. Yeah, this this sucks. This sucks really hard. Um, it's really com- hard. It's it's a combination between a um, and I know that I, I know that uh, from the goaltender's perspective, you're gonna maybe push back on this a little bit. Um, a very large part of it is not being able to get a fucking save whatsoever. Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Nolan. Okay, because I am usually the one who sits here and defends the goaltenders and talks about this, that, and the other thing. But um, there, there comes a time when you have to look at what is happening and call a spade a spade, and they are just not getting the goaltending play that they need to mm-hmm. from Stu and Jack. It's yep. been atrocious. And that's a massive, massive part as to why this team is in the state that it is because, and sorry, I cut you oh, off. No, no, go ahead. 
But when I was, uh, took a little while to do, but I got our Pacific uh, division projections up today on Instagram. So while I was making that graphic, I had to listen back to our Pacific division preview, find the timestamp and, and get yours. Cause I couldn't remember what, where you had some team slotted and I didn't want to be wrong. So I'm listening back. And I just happened to scroll to a point and I heard my own voice. No one likes hearing their own voice. But I said, are we going to get stale soup and playoff jack? Or are we going to get stale stew and uh, stale soup and playoff stew? Or are we going to get good goaltending? And it seems to be that we've gotten stale soup and bad stew. Yeah, it's it's been like it is quite utterly horrendous for lack of a better term. Um, right now the Edmonton Oilers are playing hockey. I mean, in the Vancouver Canucks game, we just finished talking about it. Like I said, the shots were like a million to like one. And the moment that first goal goes in, which is fine. I I actually know what I'll forgive the first goal. First goal is no problem. That's the one that Vinny accidentally bumped into his node net. Like that's not Stu's fault. I will, I will take that. That's not a big deal. Whatever. You can bounce back from that. But the second goal. And it seems like the Oilers system is trying to give Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell ultimate visibility of the puck. Because I, I don't know, I, I, like, I'm, I'm, like, I, like I wasn't the goalie, but like, obviously you would prefer not to have a shot sent, like you'd prefer to not have a shot on goal that's like screened and there's a bunch of people in the way. You'd prefer to have something that you can actually see, right? Yeah, something you can see, something you can track. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like just walks right into the Oilers zone wide open in the high slot and just picks his corner on Stuart Skinner. And that is so deflating for a team on the ice. And that is why the Oilers fall back on um, just mistakes and playing scared and not having that like killer instinct. And so it's just uh, like, you can talk all about the team defense. You can talk all about um, the the stars not finishing. I mean, I, I've already mentioned it. Connor McDavid is clearly injured. Leon Dreisaitl is off his game. Nothing is going right right, right now. We are missing Zach Hyman. We're missing Ryan Nugent Hopkins. We're missing production from just about everybody except for Evander Kane and Sam Gagne. This is insane to say. And, and also Warren Fogle. Um, but... The fact of the matter is, is that you cannot stop a beach ball at this moment. And it's going to sink your hockey club. Well, Nolan, it uh, got to the point where the Oilers had to do something. And the news broke yesterday that Sir Jack Campbell was waived for the purpose of reassignment. He cleared waivers today. Um, his one four and zero record with a 4.5 goals against average and 0.873 save percentage. Uh, he is in year two of a five year, $5 million contract. Wahoo. Since signing his contract, he is 22, 11 and four. Now, as he goes down to Bakersfield, Calvin Pickard is getting called up to replace Jack Campbell. Calvin Pickard has a 0.939 save percentage in the AHL this year. I think he's like two and oh, or something like that. Um, awesome him and Olivier Rodrigue have been playing very good in Bakersfield they both have like significantly uh, above nine and a quarter save percentages so that's awesome I mean it shows that Baco's getting the saves uh, when they need to but it remains to be seen what is going to happen with Jack Campbell and what the future holds for him if this is a conditioning stint or if this is a move to um, 
free some cap space and find a trade partner. I highly doubt that they're going to be able to trade Jack Campbell. Um, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> because did you see the apparent rumblings? Okay. I want to get to that, but I just want to I just want to tie off the bow that is Jack Campbell first. Can we do that? Well, we're going to talk about Jack Campbell for a while, so fire it off. Fire okay. get it get it going. Okay. Get it going. So People have obviously crunched the numbers already on what a Jack Campbell buyout looks like. And as it stands right now, it actually doesn't look too, too, too bad. Um, when you think about uh, when you think about all the money that would be involved in this, uh, I just got it sent to me. So next year, if you were to if you were to buy them out in the summer, uh, first cap, it would be one point one million, followed by two point three then followed by 2.6, then followed by 1.5 for three years. So you would get about $3.9-ish million in cap savings, um, but that, unfortunately, uh, would be dead money on top of the $3.2 million in dead money that you're going to have if, in fact, Connor Brown plays his 10th game as an Oiler. By the way, Connor Brown currently out. He's currently sitting at nine games played on the season. Once he plays that 10th, that 775K or whatever the hell he makes um, will jump up to $4 million. And that $3.2 million bonus that he gets for hitting 10 games will then be converted to next year's cap. By the way, Connor Brown has zero goals, zero assists, and is like a minus five. Awesome stuff to see. Um, so, with that being said, it, it it's it's kind of started to make me think about about where we are with Ken Holland because um, we'll talk about. Or, hey, can I talk about Jack? For you know a second? what? Let's talk about Ken Holland when we talk about Jay Woodcroft. Let, yeah. Okay. So go ahead. Yeah. So it is. I don't want to speak in you know be over dramatic here. But it's it's pretty disgusting that Jack Campbell is the sacrificial lamb here with all the other folks that should be and could be blamed for this. Um, he got a bad contract from the get-go with Ken Holland. I mean, we tried to be positive with that in the show for a while. Um, but I think, you know, when the free agent episode, when he got signed, we were pretty, uh, pretty uh, anti-term. It was anti-cap more, it. Yeah, it was it, lukewarm. We were trying yeah. to make the we were trying to be positive for a situation that we weren't totally thrilled about. And I think you could see this from a mile away coming that he wasn't the guy that we as fans wanted. And it sucks to see it shaping out the way that it is. All that being said, Jack Campbell is a guy that is extremely well liked in this locker room. So I get why they made him the sacrificial lamb. Should he be the sacrificial lamb? No. In my opinion, it's Ken Holland. It's Manson and it's Schwartz that are the three to blame. So we'll talk about Jay Woodcroft in a little bit because I didn't mention him. Um, the fact that it is Jack Campbell because he's so popular, because he's such a you know friendly guy, quiet guy, takes the onus, yada, yada, yada. Um, I get why they put him on the block and, and chopped him here um, because it is a really decisive way to show the rest of the team that they're not fucking around but they're doing it in a way that is saving the old boys. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And I, it's a cowardly, cowardly way to go about doing it. Yeah. And I, and I, the way that I look at it too, is that you, um, like I, I genuinely do think that this could be a chance for Jack Campbell to find, to find his game. Um, it sucks that we're doing that when he's a $5 million a year goaltender, but there was no other choice. 
you currently can't trade for another goaltender um, because the market as it stands right now, everybody thinks that they're in it. Everybody in the NHL thinks that they are still in a play or that they are in a playoff race. Maybe not the San Jose Sharks, but just about everybody. Look at Nashville; they think they're in it. Anaheim; they think they're in it. Um, St. Louis; they think they're in it. Boston; they're in it. Like all of these teams are all in it that may have a goalie that they want to give up. But that's not going to come until you get to like March. So your next best step is to try and see what you have in the AHL and sending Jack Campbell down because you're certainly not going to send Stuart Skinner down because you might actually get him claimed and he's 24 years old. You want to hold on to a young guy. But your $5 million goalie is unfortunately a lemon and you have to try and rehabilitate his game as well as you can and that just means sending him down. It sucks because I feel for Jack Campbell because the guy clearly is he takes it very personally. Like he you can tell the guy hates to let down his team and it's incredibly heartbreaking. But, but that got that got said by Toronto fans for a very long time is that that yeah. shtick ran old. Yep, and, and that's fair, and I completely agree with that. And it has. Yeah, and, and this he's is, probably this is what it's come to. And he's wiping up his tears with five million dollars in money. So I don't feel that much sympathy for him, um, because at the end of the day, this is his job, and he signed a contract to do the work that was necessary. Um, do I think that like shitting all over Jack Campbell as a human being is a good idea? No, of course not. He seems like a wonderful human being, but this is a part of a lineage of just boneheaded fucking moves by this management group. And do you have anything else? Do you want to talk about the, I'll talk about the next point you have and then we'll get to, or do you, do you have anything else to say on Jack? No, but apparently, so this broke today and it's not, I mean, I don't know who Reed Wil, um, Wilkins is. I've never heard of him before. No he's, disrespect. Uh, he he's like uh he does um he does hits on like Oilers radio. I think he's a radio host in Edmonton. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, so, I've heard of him before. Okay, right on. So apparently the Oilers are interested in friend of the show Jordan Bennington. Ha 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 ha. According to Reed Wilkins, the thirty year old Stanley Cup champion is playing well to start the twenty three twenty four season. He's three four and one with a point nine one nine save percentage, point two two point five eight goals against average, and a three point nine goals above expected. But he makes six million bucks for another three years. Interesting, interesting, interesting. How much validity there is to this, and if this actually um, comes to fruition. Because, uh, boy, oh boy, does that seem like a bit of a lateral move. I I would stay as far away from Jordan Bennington as you can possibly get. Not only is he incredibly unlikable, <laughs> um, but he's clearly like. Once again, and we'll get to this. We'll get to this whole thing with Ken Holland because I, I, I have some stuff I have to say about Ken Holland. It's been a while yeah. since I've said some stuff about Ken Holland, but so, this would be buying an asset at its absolute highest. Oh yeah, no, this is this is like a trade that you propose in fantasy football when you're just trying to fuck a guy after he got, you know, three touchdowns on the week or something like that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we digress. That's Jordan Bennington. That's our opinion. Whatever it is, what it is. Um. I know you you made a good point about no teams wanting to make a move right now with goaltenders because they all feel that they're in it. Um, who would you, you know, crystal ball like to see the Oilers end up with if they make a goaltending move with another team? Um, well, I th- 
so if we're realistically talking about teams that we don't think will be that we think will be out of the playoffs um, come trade deadline, I think the obvious answer is UC Soros, mm-hmm. because UC Soros will have two years left on his deal. Nashville is a rebuilding hockey team, and they have Yaroslav Oskarov in the minors, so mm-hmm. they would be a team. And he's like, it looks like he's ready to come up. So I, I mean, I, don't, I haven't looked at his stats in a while, but he currently is rocking a, oh, <laughs> he's rocking a non-35 save percentage in the minors. Askarov? Yeah, so he yeah, is good him. Good for him. Yeah, he yeah. is him. So cool. I think My- Nashville would be looking at moving Soros. I don't think they would want to re-sign him. Yeah, no, for sure. My, um, my like, perfect world little scenario, I think, would be, uh, call me crazy, but Marc-Andre Fleury. I would be into Marc Andre Fleury, yeah. I would really like to see Marc Andre Fleury come in and and help this culture, and I think he could do a lot for Stuart Skinner. I think he could bring a lot of confidence to the team. I don't know, like, seems like Minnesota is all in on Gustafson. He's their mm-hmm. he's their one A. Um, I think Fleury could make a little stop in Western Canada. Um, he's a guy who has rolled with the punches. He's been, um stabbed in the back he's been left on the bench and he's always come out smelling like roses smelling like a flower so if they could make it work dollars and cents wise um and we'll get to minnesota because they've been making a couple of moves um maybe there's something to be said there and and if they could get flower man i'd be uh be a happy little guy god you know he's having a nice return to form season john gibson Gibson. John Gibson. And they've got that Doskal or whatever his name is. Yeah. Lucas Doskal who's been playing out of and his fucking mind. They've been trying to like either move John Gibson or whatever for the last little while. Um, mm-hmm. Another name that's been kind of pondered about all over Twitter is uh, a young man that is signed to a five-year deal. He's got the ex- almost exact same contract as Jack Ham. Wait a minute. Literally makes 250k more than Jack Campbell. Who's this? And he signed the exact same contract, Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper. Oh, the guy that we should. The the guy guy that we should have fucking signed. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. That's gangster. Uh, (laughs) I've been seeing a lot of the, you know, cap friendly kings and queens, um, talk going the Allmark route, Linus Allmark route. Too expensive. Too expensive, but. Boy, oh boy, would that ever be nice. That would be sick. I do love me some Linus Olmark, but yeah, you're going to be paying through the nose for for a guy like that. Like, it's going to be outrageous. They are going to... I... I mean, I, d- don't get me wrong, I've been really frustrated with Nuge, but I, I do not want to move Nuge in like a one-for-one deal for a goalie. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, I, I, I can't even do the ha-ha right now. Um <laughs> Yeah, like this would have been if, if Winnipeg didn't decide to re-sign Connor Hellbuck, that would have been like a chef's kiss because they could have dumped all the assets for him. But anyways, um, yeah, uh, I think that you have to do everything in your power to try and get UC Soros. Um, but I think most importantly, you brought this up. I I know that a lot of Oilers media are trying not to are trying to take focus away from Dustin Schwartz, um, but. The Oilers have had one number one, one proper number one goaltender in like 10 years. And um, that entire time, Dustin Schwartz has been the goaltending coach. And there have been 
like there was a guy on Twitter. I'm going to find it actually. We'll go over it. Um, do you want to move on to the next point and then I'll kind of bring up this, I'll bring up this tweet and then we can talk no, about f- it. For sure. Like, and that's kind of why I brought it up. I was looking at Dustin Schwartz's bio and really all that he's done like he really hasn't done anything with the Oilers and you look at the revolving door of mediocrity that they've had with tendies and it's like largely I think the 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 sword has to fall at some point he's got to get chopped he's got to be he's got to be held accountable go ahead okay so here is so here's his so here is a thread here so I'm just going to quickly just quickly read this off so this comes from bone uh, Bone JRP. Uh, he, he posted this a uh, friend of the show. Uh, he follows us and we follow him back. That's great. Um, starts off by saying Dustin Schwartz, why has he not been fired yet? A thread listing the goalies he's worked with in Edmonton, how they were before him, with him, and after him. Oh my God. Um, so for year one, uh, this, he came in. Can I and, stop you for one second? Yeah. Is Devin Dubnik on this list? No, because okay. this was just uh, this was just after Devin Dubnik. Okay. So this was just after the Dubnik experience. Take um, it away. Okay. So uh, first and foremost, uh, the first season he'll give him a pass because like Dallas Eakins was the coach, but he'll go over all of them. Okay. Uh, ben Scrivens, year before Schwartz, uh, 3.01 GAA, 0.916 save percentage with Edmonton. Year with Schwartz, 3.16 GAA, 890 percentage. Um, year after Schwartz, 3.07 GAA, 906 with Montreal. Um, Victor Faust, remember when we did the blast from the past with Victor Faust? Love that him. Sounds, that sounds like a fun little name. Um, year before, 2.73 GAA, 914 save percentage with Edmonton. The year with Schwartz, 3.41 GAA, 888 save percentage. Uh, then the next year with uh, Siska Moscow, or uh, I believe Siska Moscow, uh, 1.6 GAA and 921 save percentage. Now, some of these guys, like Faust only played like 26 games with Schwartz. Uh, Scrivens played 57. He played 57 games with the I realize that. Um, okay, Cam Talbot, year before, 2.21 GAA, 0.926 percentage with New York. That was in 36 games played. Uh, year one, so the, Cam Talbot worked for basically like he just progressively got worse after his like 16-17 season. So the yep. year so the second year of that was was the 16-17 season uh in which they couldn't develop anything behind him in either Laurent Brassois or um uh uh fuck who was the Jonas Gustafsson. Cuz remember Jonas Gustafsson was an oiler? That was the thing. monster. Yeah. Uh, in which that year, Cam Talbot played 73 games mm-hmm. and had a 2.39 GAA, 919 save percentage. Genuinely incredible goalie. Had it like, was a proper number one goalie. And it was everything we could have wanted. That guy was going to command probably like a $49 million deal at that point. Um, so fa- spark, spark notes here, Nolan, is that yeah. he's, every goalie he's worked with has yes. been good, yeah. worked with him, gotten worse, and then done immediately better without Dustin Schwartz. Can I just mention one thing about Anthony Storlars and then I'll finish? Um, sure. prior to, uh, so Anthony Storlars, prior to Edmonton in season, uh, 12 games played 3.33 GAA, 902 save percentage with Edmonton, 3.7 GAA. 897 save percentage. That was with six games played, but still, it is something to, to talk about. The next year, the very next year, 2.66 GAA, 922 save percentage, and he has now established himself as an NHL backup. So, 
he has just not gotten anything out of these guys. They either get worse or they just are completely lateral. There is something to be said. I don't know what a goaltending coach does, but at the end of the day, if you have been on the job for nine years and we have not seen the, like, we saw Stuart Skinner develop into an all-star, um, great. What, what else have you done? Like, it's, it hasn't been much else. I yeah, just, I so- don't understand what they're doing. So Schwartz's experience as a player was playing in the Western Hockey League and then playing um, university hockey in Canada, which is fine, which is good, awesome, whatever. Um, In between that stint, he worked as like a program developer for Hockey Canada. um, Of course. In like youth goaltending. So I think that you can also blame Dustin Schwartz for why Canada's youth goalies are... um, why we currently don't have an actual Olympic like goaltending candidate. So all in all, Dustin Schwartz, pack your shit. Um, I hate you as a person and as a coach, you're a bad guy. So we've established that Justin Schwartz is a bad guy. That's awesome. That's cool. That's great. Um, Dave Manson penalty kill has been atrocious. Defense has been atrocious. I shouldn't say penalty kill has been atrocious. It's been, it, it's been extremely mid. Mm-hmm. It's, but, it just hasn't been good. The special teams since Woody took over have really, I mean, besides the power play, um, the penalty kill has not been good. Yeah. So Dave Madison, I think it's time that we move on from you as well. Um, and Ken Holland, please go away. Okay. Please, please, please go away. So I've left out Jay Woodcroft. Are we on the same page with Jay Woodcroft? Oh, a hundred percent. I, I completely agree. And I so, will talk about Ken Holland after. But yeah, let's let let's talk about Jay Woodcroft first. Because this is the elephant in the room with a lot of Oilers fans is that well, they gotta make a change. They gotta, you know, hold Woodcroft accountable. What's your move if you get rid of Jay Woodcroft? Right? You are looking at a guy who last year, and I've compared him here statistically, big numbers episode. If you don't like numbers, fuck you. And um, <laughs> fast forward through this next you know, minute and a half or whatever. But the, the figures back up that Woodcroft is a good coach. And what's available right now in the coaching market is not anybody that's going to be better than Jay Woodcroft. So, okay, let's compare him to, let's, let's look at Tippett in 1920. 2019-20, not the year 1920, because he was probably carrying a musket fighting somewhere in a war. Um, in 2019-2020, Dave Tippett had 83 points, a .58 points percentage. He was getting 3.1 goals before per game. He was giving up three goals a game, and his grade A shot differential was a negative 0.2. Not great. Next year in 2021, he had 72 points, points percentage of 0.640. Um, goals for per game, 3.3 goals against per game, 2.8 and a grade a shot differential of 1.8. So the next year, that's good numbers, right? Tip's doing all right there. The next year is the year that they got rid of Tippett. We're going to get rid of Dave Tippett. 49 points, a point zero point five six points percentage, which is inflated because he went on that run in December where they won like two games. 2.3 uh, goals for per game, 3.3 goals against per game, and a 1.3 grade A shot differential. So then Woody takes over. He gets 55 points in that crazy 0.72 points percentage uh, taking over when they went on that nasty, nasty run. Uh, 3.8 goals for per game compared to 2.8 goals against per game. So that's a whole point, an entire number different 
with a 2.1 grade A shot differential. In 23-22, last year, Woodcroft had 109 points, a .660 win percentage, four goals per goals for per game, 3.1 goals against per game, and a 2.9 grade A shot differential. So if you're having trouble conceptualizing what this grid looks like, that was the best year uh, in the five that we named like by a long shot. Woodcroft this year, obviously the Oilers are struggling, but we have to compare uh, the numbers here. He has a 2.7 goals for per game and a 4.1 goals against so far this season with a 1.1 grade A shot differential. So we've looked at team goaltending and team defense. It's been bad. That is why they're losing. You look at the numbers, they're simply not scoring as many goals as they're giving up. Minus 16 goal differential on the year. Tough. I don't think Jay Woodcroft is the problem here, as I've stated, and the numbers back it up. So uh, really, why why would you get rid of Jay Woodcroft? Why would you give Ken Holland a third coach? So um, I wanted to mention this. So like, I'm completely on the same page with you when it comes to Jay Woodcroft. I think that you're not going to find a better head coach than Jay Woodcroft right now. Um the only options that you have, and these were the ones that were thrown out, and this one will progressively make you vomit more. Uh, the first one, Claude Julien, I'd be if 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 it had to happen, I'd be kind of okay with Claude Julien. He did win a cup, but it was like twelve years ago. Um, but he's always been just a good head coach. Um, the next one being Gerard Gallant, and if people hated Dave Tippett, uh, Gerard Gallant's pretty similar people. I think you should probably know that. Um, and the third one, oh, Miles, the third one, it would be an in-house hire, and they would promote Glenn Gullitson to head coach. Fuck yeah. Don't do like it. that. Don't do like it. that. Please don't do that. Um, You know, my, my only issues with Woody really more than anything have been, I think that he has a difficult time... Um, developing young players when it comes to really giving them ice time and actually letting them like trying to let them cook. Uh, Dylan Holloway is a prime example. Uh, we'll, we'll, some nights we'll play 10 minutes and then some nights we'll play two and his handling of like, yes, they and things like that have not been ideal. Um, the fact that he has allowed Evan Bouchard to really like grow as a defenseman has been incredible to see. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, but most importantly, um, we're going to return back to just, just quickly, uh, before we'll just quickly, before we'll talk about Ken Holland. Um, but, uh, I just wanted to quickly mention, uh, the five on five numbers for the season so far, uh, chances, uh, so like, uh, shot attempts per game, uh, 57% on the season, uh, that is second in the league behind only the Carolina hurricanes, uh, shots for percentage, uh, they are in eighth. Yeah. Eighth with a 53.60 shots for percentage. Expected goals, one of our favorite stats to go back on. Guess what, Miles? They are third with 57.31 expected goals for. Um, and uh, oh, high danger goals for. They're among the world. Oh, they're, they're third last in high danger goals for. High danger shooting percentage. They are second last. And shooting percentage. They are... Uh, fourth last in the league and save percentage at five on five. They are second last and in PDO, they are third last in the league behind only 
The San Jose Sharks, obviously, is the worst team in the league, and the Calgary Flames. So PDO right now, once again, if you do not know what PDO is, it's kind of a combination between your shooting percentage as well as your save percentage you're getting. They combine the two numbers. You ideally want to be around 100. That would be that would be sustainable. Uh, if you are like in the nines, you are pretty bad. Like it's 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 pretty not not very good at all. And it's really telling you that you're getting incredibly unlucky in in most instances. Like New Jersey right now has a point nine six two, and they're not as good as they could be, but they are still a really damn good team. So. The Oilers are not finishing chances, and they are not getting the proper saves. And unfortunately, I firmly believe that Oilers management is trying to pin this on Jay Woodcroft when it goes far back to a much bigger issue with this team, and it all resolves or revolves around Mr. Kenneth Holland. Um, do you have anything to say about those stats? Because I will. I'm about to talk about Ken Holland. No, um, I I don't. Um... Too many stats for me. Too okay. many numbers. Okay, that's fine. Um, okay, so quickly, we mentioned Jack Campbell. So Jack Campbell, another player signed, is probably going to require an asset to move, or is going to be a is going to be dead money on the books. Once again, another asset completely messed up by Ken Holland. Miles, I'm going to take you back on a little time machine ride. Okay, uh, back to 2019, July 1st. Ken Holland buys out Andre Sekera. Buys out those last, I believe, two years of his deal. Dead money on the books. He immediately uses that money to go and re-sign Alex Chase on to a two-year deal per two, worth $2.1 million per year. A guy that the Oilers were cap-strapped trying to hold on to. That's awesome to see. Um, and I believe, uh, what is Alex Chase on score? Like 10 goals for this team? Uh, something not great. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, after he scored the 22 goals, because this is Ken Holland's favorite thing, signing guys off of a hot shooting percentage. We love to see it. Uh, uh, Chase Holland would then follow up by scoring 11 goals and then nine goals in a season. That's that's pretty sweet. <sighs> um, moving on from there, uh, during the season, during the 2019-20 season, he then re-signs Zach Cassian to a four-year contract worth $3.2 million per season. Cassian, by the way, was playing in the top six because the Oilers had literally no other talent on the roster to play with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So they put uh, they put him with uh, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, was scoring, was scoring quite a few goals, and instead of letting him walk to, walk to free agency and getting paid by a team, uh, they instead decided to pay him themselves, which was a bad move from the get-go. Nobody liked it besides like maybe 50 Oilers fans that think that Zach Cassian is a quality hockey player. Sorry, Zach. No shots fired at you, my guy. Um, that would be a player that he would have to attach a, uh, he would have to attach like a first and a second and a third to move on from down the road. So that's a, that's a bunch of assets wasted. Um, he re-signed Josh Archibald to 1.5 per year. Uh, which would cap-strap the team as well. Uh, he would then re-sign Darnell Nurse to a bridge deal worth $5.6 million per year just before the whole pandemic thing happened. That bridge deal would then lead into a deal, and this is th- this his Darnell Nurse's big deal right now was signed after the Oilers acquired Duncan Keith for like Caleb Jones and a third round pick and all that stuff, which allowed the Chicago Blackhawks to then trade for Seth Jones, sign Seth Jones to a 
$9.5 million per year contract, and then which would give Darnell Nurse the ability, once again, by the way, hot shooting percentage, Ken Holland's favorite, to sign for an eight-year deal worth $9.25 million per year. Once again, poor asset management. And now, I mean, we could, we could be going for days, but I'm just going to say, close this off with this. This team is in cap trouble. Poor asset management up and down the roster. Xavier Borgo, I want him to be good, but God damn it, they had the pick to select Jesper Volstadt, who just got named AHL Player of the Week. And they traded the pick away to go move down two spots, and they got a third-round pick out of it. That third-round pick, they used to select Luca Munzenberger, who, by the way, I believe is in his third college season and is uh, bad, like a bad hockey player. So we're now sitting in a situation where um, almost every Oilers draft pick has not meant anything. Philip Broberg, back in the minors, forgot to mention that. Um, and Trevor Zegris is now in the middle of a three-year deal. Uh, Matt Boldy just signed a massive extension. Cole Caulfield just signed a massive extension. Everything, every team around this was able to take advantage of old man river, making dumb decisions left, right, and center. And it is time for him to go. The game has passed him by. I'm done with Ken Holland. Yeah, that's, uh, all good analysis, all things that I agree with. Um, that um, Xavier Burgo, Jesper Wallstadt thing, I don't want to pigeonhole you because I don't want to make it sound like the rest of what you said was BS and focus and be like, oh, actually, but that's a little bit of an overreaction with player of the week. Like if he was Dustin Wolf numbers going fucking crazy in the AHL, I'd be like, yeah, it's a miss. They needed a goalie. Don't get me wrong. And not getting Jesper Volstad is something that I think is going to eat this team for a very long time. But let's give Xavier the the benefit of the doubt here. He's still young. He's still got to have a little bit of our confidence uh, in him. But Ken Holland's body of work as a GM, as you've clearly outlined for the Oilers has been, uh, I'll sum up as piss poor. And yeah. he does not deserve to get a third coach. This is he really, also... really does not deserve to get a third coach. He needs to get the fuck out of there. And this is also completely forgetting uh, his famous press conference before um, in the COVID shortened season when he famously said at the trade deadline uh, that you can't go all in every year yeah. when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl putting up 100-point seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just fucking choke me. Oh my god. I'm just I'm so done with this guy, man. I'm so it, done with this guy. It's tough. It's it's definitely a double-edged sword in the sense that like um if a new GM comes in likely they're going to want a new coaching staff. Yeah. A lot of GMs do. A lot of GMs want to put their mark on the team right away, and I would I I I really don't want to lose Jay. I think Jay is Jay Wickroff is a good coach as we've outlined. Um oh. But, I think it all like, depends. I think it all depends on how the new GM comes in. If Ken Holland retires this summer and they hire a new general manager and Jay Woodcroft is like a part of that package, then I think it would be fine. But if it's like we're firing Ken Holland, it's going to be you're firing Ken Holland and Jay Woodcroft, and I do not mm-hmm. want to lose Jay Woodcroft. No, so it, it's going to be very interesting to see how the team responds to because let's. This is a lot of speculation. This is a lot of anger. This is a lot of emotion. Um, the Oilers haven't played since Monday night. 
So let's see how they look tomorrow in their game against San Jose, which fuck, if you do not win that hockey game, <laughs> burn it, burn it down. If you don't win that hockey game, I, I know this may be like, I, you, okay, I'm, I'm going to make a fucking statement. If they lose that hockey game tomorrow, that might be the end of the McDavid and Drysaddle era. Yeah, I don't. I would. I. I I'm didn't want. Not even I, joking. No, I didn't want to say it, but some like if they lose that game, it's it's done. It's over. And I think you trade Leon if you got if you're doing something that that's the player that's got to go because that's what I think you're going to get more of a return. Well, a realistic move from right. I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to think about it. But uh, you lose to the Sharks and go two ten to nine and one. Yeah. It's done. I, I also sh- should say too, like the players are not out of the uh, not out of the blame for this. Like the, no, the, absolutely the, not. The players need to need to play better. Like paging Ryan Nugent Hopkins, where are you? Paging Zach Hyman, where, where are, you? are you? Yeah, um, Connor McDavid once again very injured, and I will say, man, I, I, maybe a bit of an old man take. I have not been impressed with just some of the like, and I love Connor. I love him dearly. He's everything I, I want in my life. Um, that sounds mean to Taylor. I'm sorry. Uh, but um, you, you, you know what I mean. Um, I, Connor's body language on the ice has been just piss poor. And some of his like clips in his post-game availabilities have just actually made me kind of angry. Like when he complained after the first game about um about the Canucks putting DeSmith in the and the Canucks putting their first unit out. Like, shut up, Connor. Like, I'm sorry. That's some baby ass shit. Like, if you're complaining about that, I have I have no sympathy for you. Whatever. And then the shit from the other night when he was like, Oh, I was just trying to get I was just trying to make a play. It's like, no, you weren't, man. Stop it. We know what you were doing. Just stop. Like it's 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 fine. Just move on from it. Take the lumps and move on. Um, but like I said, I know he's injured. I know he's like because he's clearly injured, right? Like he's clearly not himself. And um, yeah, it's I just I want him to get better because I can't I can't deal with this much longer. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they play, how they respond to the Jack Campbell sacrifice um and i i hope to god it's something that can be built upon uh i hope it's a wake-up call for these guys because like you said the players are not blame free here uh, and ultimately they're the ones that got to go out and make it happen so there's more than enough talent on that roster to win some hockey games and hopefully this this lights a fire under their ass and really all we can do is wait and see uh, because the stakeholders that are able to make the decisions here and, and make the moves that are going to drive change um, are unfortunately not us. So we have to sit back and wait and hope to God they figure it out tomorrow against the San Jose Sharks. Do you have anything else Oilers related or do you want to move on here? Just wanted to quickly mention he re-signed Kyle Riamamoto to two years and then had to dump him for nothing. Yeah, Asset so management, baby. Shmoney. Shmoney yeah. moves. Yeah, Kenny Money, baby. Okay, let's move on. Oh, great. Yeah, we're yeah. not. Yeah, this isn't great. So we'll keep um, it going. This is old news uh, at this point. Not not unimportant, but just something that you've probably seen. If you haven't, uh, another John Doe has come forward against the Chicago Blackhawks organization for sexual assault alleged to have occurred during the 2010 Stanley Cup playoff run. 
This is not surprising, uh, as when Kyle Beach's allegations came to light, I believe in the original lawsuit, he was listed as one of three John Doe's. Um, so you can expect that there uh, is probably not the end of this this situation. Uh, ultimately, Kyle Beach's allegations were settled out of court. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens here. And the fact that another person's life got affected by Brad Aldrich uh, and the Chicago Blackhawks ability to harbor or not ability. The, the fact that the Chicago Blackhawks chose to harbor uh, and sexual predator is very, very, very sad to see. Uh, Brad Aldrich is a sick buck. The Blackhawks need to do better. The NHL needs to do better. And uh, this is just another tough one. But ultimately, and I will say, uh, gratitude here. Uh, you don't like to see this, but it is nice to see this to help put into perspective how little an Oilers losing streak means in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, you're right. Uh, because when shit like this is going on, um, it makes losing a few hockey games maybe not as bad as it as it feels, you know. Yeah, that's fair. No, you are right. I just, yeah, it's uh, this whole Blackhawks. St- I mean, man, it's especially after the, and I'm not. This is really not a way that I should be doing this, but like you, you know, when you factor in just like the stuff with the Senators from last episode, and it's like, oh, they got find a first round, or you know, they got a first round pick taken away from them, and it's like. Man, the Blackhawks did this. Like, did this. And all of these players, these players are getting off scot-free. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with them. Like, Joel Quenville is going to coach in this league again, unfortunately. Stan Bowman is probably going to be a GM again. And they are monsters. Pure and utter monsters for what they did. And it just, it, it drives me insane that the... NHL effectively gave this organization a slap on the wrist. Yeah, just a just a poor display all around. Uh, yeah. Poor mismanagement. Uh, best sport, worst league. So shout oh, out to the yep. NHL. Fucking classic, classic NHL. Uh, Nolan, do you want to <laughs> take point two? <laughs> NHL fucking pricks. Dash Miles Fuchs. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, my favorite sleeper, Kalen Addison, who is third and rookie defenseman for points last year, was traded by the Wild to the Sharks for a fifth round pick in Adam Raska. Uh, the Wild then flipped the seventh or then flipped the seventh rounder to the Lightning for defenseman Zach Bogosian. So, um, basically, just uh, getting a little a little less finessey and a little bit more mean. Grr. <laughs> So shout out to uh, Mike Greer for getting a, a good prospect. Here, I like Caitlin that. Addison. Yeah, like yeah. That move. Yeah, he's so, what twenty two or something like that. Twenty two and looking looking good. Yeah, yeah, he's a good hockey player. So, um, does this mean that Minnesota is open for business and they're going to give us Marc Andre Fleury? We can only wait and see. But their cap situation is fucked for the next couple Dog. of years, so I doubt it. <laughs> I want Jared Spurgeon so badly. The Spurge. The Spurge. Isn't he their captain? He is their captain. But you know where he's from? Alberta. Oh, yeah. He's from <laughs> Alberta, baby. He's Alberta bound. He's a, he is a short king, though. So we have to, we have to, we, we have to be okay with a, uh, with a probably number one defenseman that's five foot nine. Oh, I'm fine. I'll live with that. Yeah. King take shit, that, man. Take yeah. that seven days a week. Yeah. Let's um, go. Speaking of the opposite of a short king, Zidane Chara ran the, ran the New York City Marathon. He, he was cheered on by former Islanders teammates. The NHL all-time leader in games played by a defenseman finished 
the 26.2 mile race in three hours and 19 minutes and 19 seconds for a six foot nine man made of metal, twisted steel and sex appeal. It's actually a pretty crazy time. So shout out to Big Z, old guy, played a lot of years, a lot of games in the NHL, a lot of hard miles. And he's out here running fucking marathons while I uh, have the sniffles and wrap myself up in a blanket. So, um, Favorite Zidane Ochara story of all time is definitely when he was getting interviewed and they saw that he had like the sex restraints on his bed, like the <laughs> sex restraints. That's fucked absolutely king shit. Do you remember? Um, you probably don't, but do you remember the YouTuber Ottawa Ghost? And he did like no. he was the one that actually, or he was the one that um like originally created like the Danny Heatley. I'm a fucking, fucking all star bit. Yeah, right he on. was the he was the one that came up with that. Um, because he would do these, like, he would just take, like, um, he would take clips of Danny Heatley and he would dub his voice over top of it. And they're just classic, funny, like 2010s humor videos. So, uh, my favorite, one of my favorites is when he, he does a voice of Zidane Chara, <laughs> and it's like, there's one where he's doing an interview with a guy and, uh, and he's like, Mrrr. and the guy's talking, he's like, Zdeno, are you thinking of eating me? And he's like, mmm. and he's like, please don't eat me. And he's like, Rrr. but then uh, the my favorite is the cup presentation from 2011, and Gary Bettman is like, okay, hold, 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 hold on, Zdeno, hold on. And then he's like, okay, here you go, Zdeno Chara, ladies and gentlemen. And he takes the cup and he just overdubs like, because I don't know if you remember when Zdeno Chara shook the cup, he looks <laughs> terrifying. Like yeah. he shakes it like he's like Leatherface holding the chainsaw, mm-hmm. and he, um, he just overdubs, ah, <laughs> just like. It just sounds like an actual monster. Um, so yeah, I I love Zidane Chara, and man, just w- one of those guys that just seems like one of the nice guys in hockey. You hear about a lot of really cool stuff that he's involved with, a lot of uh, really like incredible initiatives that he's a part of. Is it just it makes me really happy to see, and it's awesome to he- see that he's still thriving. I mean, the yeah. guy could probably still play in the NHL if he wanted to. Yeah, he's a specimen. He's got a really cool story too, man, because he came over from Czechoslovakia like as a 16-year-old to play in the WHL. I think he played in like Kelowna or something like that. Um, and he actually had a job. I used to read hockey books all the time. And I remember Sick. this story um, that he got a job working at a car dealership because he could wash the top of vans without having <laughs> to use a ladder. So you just think of like this massive Czechoslovakian guy who doesn't speak a lick of English and comes over and the first thing he does is gets a job because he needs money. Like just uh, a a person that never takes anything for granted and just salt of the earth. I love Zdeno Chara, man. He's a good dude. I also think it's really cool, man, that he started off as like basically just this like big lumbering 90 style defenseman in the NHL and somehow turned himself into like a two-way Norris Trophy winner. Like mm-hmm. that's yeah. in, that's so impressive. Adaptability, man. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a man. man. He's a man. He's a grown man. And he was a free agent for Boston. That's fucking crazy. That just still blows my mind that he's like had a Hall of Fame career with Boston and it was like, "Oh yeah, we just acquired him as a free agent." Yeah. 1680 games in the NHL. That's nuts. You go, Zedano. Yeah, hell, hell yeah, Zedano. Okay, Miles, you're returning a segment. 
I am Nolan. And while the Oilers suck and the show has been, I'll admit, pretty depressing, not all things in life are full of pain and suffering like this shitty blue and orange team that we attach to our personality. No, Nolan, some people do not suck. In fact, they are a special class of individuals out there. A word that perhaps gets tossed around from time to time, but not today. Because I can say with complete confidence that we have found someone truly deserving of being named the Rockstar of the Week. We are heading down south to the great city of Chicago. And no, this is not about thick pizza or wet sandwiches. This is about a 104-year-old woman named Dorothy Hoffner, who unofficially became the oldest person to skydive. On October 1st, Dorothy left the Brookdale Senior Living Home and leapt from a plane at 13,500 feet. This was uh, not new for her, being an active skydiver since the age of 100. So, yeah, she uh, she uh, has been doing it for a while. Unfortunately, and this is where it gets sad, uh, Dorothy passed away that evening in her sleep before the Guinness World Book of Records could confirm her dive. The team at Brookdale is working with the Guinness Book of World Records to get Dorothy her well-deserved title of oldest skydiver. Shout out to Dorothy, a life well-lived with passion and purpose until the very end. So Dorothy Hoffner, you are the rock star of the week. That was great. I, man, older people just like crushing their goals. That rocks. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, like at 100, what do you have to lose? Yeah. Oh, exactly. I feel like that's how I would be. If I was somewhat mobile at that age, I think that's exactly what I would do is I would basically just like live like you were dying <laughs> but uh, man, like there's people who are like 70 and can't even move oh i know like couldn't couldn't get in a plane couldn't jump out of a plane couldn't get in the suit anything like that dude, so the fact that a hundred year old woman was doing that man that's fucking crazy dude, both of my parents are like in their 50s or, or yeah like both of my parents are in their 50s and they have like tough times walking like 10 minutes like that's that's nuts man that's incredible it, she is, yeah, shout out Dorothy, man. That's fucking nuts. She broke the world record. The world record uh, previously was 103 years, a Swedish lady. So shout so out she Dorothy. she just prices right her. Yeah, she ding. <laughs> Closest <laughs> about going over. But no, I really like that the uh, folks at the old folks home are like, no, nah, we're, get, we're getting her her bag. It's uh, it's it's only unofficial for, for a little bit here. They're going to check some records and make it happen. And shout out to all the people at that uh uh, senior living facility that are that are out here getting Dorothy her well-deserved props. Guinness is gonna is gonna crack open the case like it's Barry Bonds hitting seventy three dingers and they're like <laughs> Dorothy was on the juice. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, we just adjust their glasses. Yeah. Actually, we cut a leg off and counted the rings. There was only a hundred and three. The um, three. Speaking of Chicago, Miles, have you watched The Bear yet? No, I haven't, but... Dude, uh, you should watch The Bear. Yeah, Lip. I want to see Lip cooking shit. Dude, it's such a... It's probably my favorite show on television. Mm-hmm. Like, I, Succession's I, off now, but, like, The Bear is so good. I'm a big cooking guy, and I know that that's not... There's uh, some good cooking stuff. Yeah. Do you like stress? Do you like stress <laughs> in your television shows? Stress is my life. 
but Perfect. one thing one thing that I've seen on like Chef X and stuff like that, like Home Cook X, is um, but like when they're sitting outside and they're talking, they're drinking out of deli containers. Yes, which is like yeah, yeah a yep. really a really nice detail of um, like chef culture and and all that sort of shit. So shout and like line cook culture. So shout yeah. out to the people that uh, that make the bear. There was a Vice, I think, went to the restaurant in Chicago that they like basically yeah, made the, the show beef, off I think of it's called yeah yeah and uh the guy that runs it is just a classic chicago like big italian guy You're like well you working you want your sandwich wet or not like get the fuck <laughs> out of here like he's just cr- classic italian american and but he's got a little uh, bit of chicago in his accent oh yeah go cops yeah cops guy. um yeah fuck the I, I really i really think that you'll like the bear and we can talk about it lots if you're um have you seen uncut gems i have Okay, did you like Uncut Gems? I did. So it's kind of similar in that fashion. It's just very, um, the, like, the editing is very fast-paced. It's just, mm-hmm. there's, like, always thumping music. Like, it's just always going, and it just gets your, it fucks with your senses. It's so good. I, I that... think you'll really enjoy it. And then we can talk about it and all that stuff. Well, I will, I'll make a deal with you right now. Okay. I will watch The Bear if you get caught up on Love is Blind. Deal. Done. Because that is something that the show is missing. And I mean, if the Oilers are going to be this bad, we need something else to talk about. So, uh, so get, get caught up on Love is Blind. Soon Season enough, we're five gonna... was a, was a disaster. Soon enough, we're going to be exchanging a uh, sad playlist. <laughs> That's where I thrive. Speaking of thriving, we move on to next week's agenda. We hope. Uh, San Jose Sharks, Thursday, November 9th. Seattle Kraken, Saturday, November 11th. And the New York Islanders, November 13th, which is the holiday Monday. Uh, Remembrance Day. Shout out to the troops. Uh, Nolan, I don't really want to do predictions because um, we've been wrong every time. And there's really no point reliving this pain. Um, So since I've always picked them to go undefeated, I'm going to pick them to go for three. I'm just going to I'm just can I just not pick anything? Can I just say just win, please? No, that yeah, absolutely. Okay. Just, just win. Just win, please. I yeah. I I can't I I can't deal with this. This is like truly it's breaking my brain and my heart because they are like the the framework is they're playing well, but execution is is sorely lacking and that is hurting me way too much. Um here's to the hopefully the start of uh here here's my mug here's to the start of hopefully the beginning of the run for Calvin Pickard all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Cheers, Calvin. Cheers. You have you have one for ones. Here's um, career career nine hundred goaltender Calvin Pickard. We run with you, my lord. <laughs> you have all all of our good juju, all of our love oh. support and positive vibes as do the rest of the oilers and as does anyone listening to this show we hope that you have enjoyed season four episode seven of the one for one podcast miles's flu game home of hot takes and even hotter listeners hot like my fever but as always go oilers go go oilers go